Welcome to the CaperCast, a podcast where we discuss all kinds of cinematic heists and capers, of course. I am Stephanie Cook, and I am joined by Whitney Gardner. Whitney, hello. 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 How are you? I'm so excited. I really liked the movie this week. Me too. I watched it last night. I know you watched it last week, and we were discussing vaguely what mm-hmm. we were going to kind of talk about, but I wanted to text you so bad while I was watching. And I was like, no, <laughs> that defeats the purpose of having a podcast where we talk about things. I know. I was kind of like, oh, did she not like it? She didn't send me any messages. I wonder if she liked it or not. I guess we'll find oh out. <laughs> I know. I was like trying so hard to resist the urge to just be like, ah, la, la, like send you my <laughs> thoughts. Cause I was like, again, what's the point? But I was like, right. in my first dose of the vaccine stupor last night. Oh, of course. I just sat down and was like, okay, we're going to sit through this. Hopefully I don't get any side effects or I don't feel really tired, but thankfully I was good. It was the perfect time to just enjoy and take it easy and watch how to steal a million, how to steal a million with Audrey Hepburn and Peter O'Toole. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen Peter O'Toole in something where he's young. I've only ever seen more recent things where he's just very old. Like I recently rewatched Stardust and he plays Mm -hmm. the father, like the king. Right. And he's like on his deathbed. And that's kind of like how Peter O'Toole always looks to (laughs) me. Appears to you? (laughs) Yeah. I think we briefly talked about this in the last episode, but the movie Charade that she did before this one, it has such a... big place in my heart. And so the whole time I'm like, it should have been Cary Grant. Why isn't it Cary Grant? This needs to be Cary Grant, but that's okay. It was still a great movie. (laughs) He was so charming. And like, we'll, we'll get into this more in, you know, a few minutes, but it was so much fun. And obviously we started on a weird note because we were like, yeah, we're going to kick things off with Snatch, which may or may not be a heist movie. (laughs) (laughs) This one is definitely a heist movie yeah yeah and again not to spoil our conversation but there's like legit that moment where Audrey Hepburn you know approaches Peter O'Toole and is just like are you in for a heist for a caper (laughs) (laughs) so they establish yes yes um so the movie about Nicole Bonet who is Audrey Hepburn her father is like this prolific art forger and we learned that he makes all these like very detailed replicas and forgeries of fine art paintings that he auctions off and then we learned that his father also made forged sculptures as well and um nicole is extremely paranoid that he's going to get caught she doesn't want him to do it anymore she's like enough is enough we live in a mansion let's just you should retire call it quits And of course, he doesn't want to. And she is absolutely horrified to learn that he has decided to loan their fake Cellini Venus to the museum to put (laughs) it on loan. And she knows that there are all these tests now that can prove the age of the materials that they uh, use to identify statues and paintings. And she knows that it's a fake And uh, she discovers that the museum wants to insure the statue for a million dollars and that part of the insurance process involves testing the authenticity of the statue. And she realizes her father is going to get caught and go to jail. And so she decides to steal the Venus back before the museum discovers that it's a fraud. Yeah, it's like a heist with a heart. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, the heart is that she she's looking out for her father and she's like, <laughs> I only steal things that belong to me. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and like her father is just so like, oh, he's just emboldened. Like he wants to just push right. his limits and, you know, take everything to the next level. He has no chill. He's like us, but with like, you know. Illegal forgeries. Yes, very <laughs> excitable, the whole movie. And the mansion that they live in is incredible. Like, it's incredible. Covered with art, secret doorways, secret staircases. Like, what more could you want from a heist movie? 
Okay, first of all, that opening scene with the auction is like amazing. Like the dog yipping, it's just like, they're just like, oh, that's $240,000. Does that count as a bid? But like, you immediately get this amazing sense for Nicole with that outfit she's wearing. Just like so stylish. outfit that she wears in this movie, one after the other, like you think you can't top it. Oh, I just, I like literally made so many notes on the costumes, which I don't think I do a ton, but like everything she wore was just one effortlessly amazing. And mm-hmm. two, just like set the tone for just who she was like the sophisticated aristocrat and like aristocrat. Did I say aristocrat? I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one. We have yeah. To- yeah. Um, but like, that scene where she's coming home and she has that like helmet hat on and she's driving this tiny little car mm-hmm. and she gets out and into the house and she immediately goes into this hidden wardrobe or the wardrobe isn't hidden. The, the right. That's like levers and like a secret staircase comes out and then she goes through the wardrobe into the wall, like up into the attic. It's crazy. It's so cool. And I was just like immediately so charmed by everything to do with this movie they have like paintings on her bedroom door like her door is hand painted and her door like in the bed like she's like in bed and she's reading Alfred Hitchcock and like getting scared and she's like oh my gosh should I hear something or not and she opens her bedroom door and it's like the entire wall swings out it's like oh wait I didn't even know that was a door I don't it's amazing I know and then like I, I, I love the whole setup to her meaning um, Simon. That's his name, right? Simon, I think. Uh, I believe, yes, Simon. I'm, I'm, yeah, uh, who's Peter O'Toole. But yeah, she's in bed. She's like reading that book. And then she discovers Simon downstairs, like doing this like covert investigation, uh, which is, you know, a theft. She thinks he's a robber. Right. And- she thinks he's come to heist the painting, the the fake painting, but yeah, painting yeah. nonetheless. Yeah, and like, it's so funny. I love that she just happens to have these weapons on the wall, and she's like, <laughs> "Oh, this is totally how I'm going to defend myself with this ancient pistol that I have." That's like mounted to a canvas. She rips it off, and he's like, "It's not loaded." I'm like, "Very good. It's not loaded." And then it's loaded. Like, who mounts a loaded gun? I know. It's so good. And then, of course, it's like that happenstance where it's like, oh, now I've accidentally shot him with, right. you know, this and I've given him a flesh wound. But then their whole interaction is just both ridiculous and charming at the same time where she's just so like, get over it. I shot you. Big deal. And he's right. just like, okay, yes, but you did shoot me. But... How am I going to get home if you're not going to call the police? Like, it's just like, it's a bit of I know. a stretch. Like, I think that like it, because it doesn't take itself so seriously, they can get away with it. Yeah. I think like they shoot him. And he's like, ow, you shot me. Like, you know, and he does a little faint and then she does a little faint. And then he's like, you're not supposed to faint. I'm supposed to faint. Like, yeah, I think the fact that they like acknowledge it a little bit, you're like, okay, I can go along for this ride. We're all not taking it quite so seriously. Yeah. And he's always making like funny facial expressions Mm -hmm. and he's just like kind of like, it genuinely looks like Peter O'Toole is having so much fun doing this movie. Like he's just playing this like rapscallion and (laughs) having a complete blast. Right. Um, So Simon, his part, because we didn't really, I didn't really talk about that in uh, the summary of the movie. Mm -hmm. She kind of, she catches him, she thinks he's stealing a painting from her house. So she thinks that he is a, a a very accomplished burglar. And so she recruits him to help her steal her statue back. Right, right, right. And he doesn't do any kind of like, because like he's on a kind of covert, it's not yes. a mission, I'd say, but he's working. And so like, he doesn't exactly, you know, correct her along the way. Right. Cause like clearly he's enamored with her. Like, how can you not be yes, like, she's obviously. amazing. Um, but like, of course, because he doesn't correct her, it just leads to all of this shenanigans, all this shenanigans, stuff. Right. 
And like, I think it's funny. He goes along with it so far as to be like, okay, well, I'm going to figure out how to rob a whole museum and make it act like I know what I'm doing. Although when they meet, okay, again, coming back to the costumes, yes. that lace, she she's meeting <gasps> him at the Ritz and Audrey Hepburn is trying to be like covert and like she's sitting at this booth wearing this black lace dress with this black eyelet mask like that just like fully covers her eyes like there's no yes like a veil yeah and she's got this like silver metallic eyeshadow on that shimmers through this veil and I was like obsessed I paused for like five minutes just to like (laughs) stare at the costume it's such an outfit she's like okay I'm going to recruit someone to help me do a heist to do a caper so I have to dress the part I'm wearing these like lace stockings and like giant diamond earrings and the veil over her eye she's like no one must know it is me as if like you wouldn't recognize her immediately because of how glamorous she is right and like we we talked about this before where we we both really like Audrey Hepburn and you know like I just think she's elegance personified but if she wasn't like if that outfit wasn't some sort of model for the Catwoman in Christopher Nolan's um, the third Batman movie, which I currently cannot remember the name of, but there's that scene where Selena Kyle is in like the ballroom and like dancing. And if it isn't inspired by that, I would be <laughs> so shocked to learn that. Right? Like, it's stunning. I, I can't get over it. Like I want to recreate that outfit sometime and dress up for Halloween, although literally no one would get it except for like you. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We'll, we'll do a, we'll do a photo shoot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, but she's also clearly enamored with him. Like she, I love that. Like she goes back to her father and they have this like cutesy relationship and she like describes him as like tall, handsome, blue eyes. And her dad's response is like, did he molest you? And she's like, and she just replies a little. Yeah. Not much. (laughs) (laughs) Who says that? I know there are some little like uh, tight ropey. Oh, that's not so great. Like their first kiss is very forceful. Yeah, and, like, it's very slight... James Bond. Yes, <laughs> and um, you know he has that '60s man menish way of like I'm going to grab her arm and move her around a lot, sort of thing. Where it's just like you don't need to manhandle her quite so much. Mm-hmm. But then that's just like a thing of the times, and you kind of have to just go with it a little bit. Yeah. And she definitely does have her own agency. Like she's the one that's like, you know, driving this heist forward and, you know, using her wiles and she knows she's using her wiles to get what she wants. Cause like, it's a theme throughout this that she goes on a few dates and is kind of perpetually getting herself into trouble. Like there's a scene where she's supposed to meet um, Simon at the museum and she's late and she's like, I'm sorry, I was busy getting engaged. Like, <laughs> and it just drops it, doesn't like yeah. bring it back up again. And he, oh, and I love his like reply to that where he just kind of says, Oh, I'm sorry, did you want to go and just finish up the marriage? Like, do you want to just go back and like <laughs> finish? Um, so it actually like has some pretty fun banter too. Like, it's not super stiff, like, it's just a silly heist caper yeah it doesn't take itself seriously at all I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it like I definitely anticipated you know some parts of it not aging well with time of course and it is like a pretty long lead-in to the heist like there's about I think over 45 minutes maybe closer to an hour of setup for the actual heist itself. It is a long movie, but like with the outfits and the cars and the sets, like I didn't even care. I was just like, I love this. This is great. <laughs> I know. It's so, so very fun. But it's just like one of those things where you're like, huh, this is taking, like, what is the heist going to be? Like, we haven't really got to that. And then of course, around that 45 minute mark is when they start unveiling what's going to happen, you know, and you can kind of start to see the, is it Cellini? Yeah, it's Cellini. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to wind up being the centerfold to the whole thing with her mm-hmm. rascal father. <laughs> oh my gosh. I I just like don't understand how he's gotten away with all this for so long when he's so clearly 
Well, I mean, they go through, like, in the beginning when he's doing his paintings, he's like, oh, I'm rubbing this dirt on the back of it that I got from the actual city where he lived. So it's like he's not lazy about it. He he is, like, meticulous, I think. But I have no idea how he's not gotten himself caught, to be quite honest. Yeah, and they kind of talk about that a bit because – Spoilers, Simon. I was going to say, how much should we give away? How much? I know. We, I mean, whatever. it's a very old movie, so I'm going to yeah. guess like <laughs> if you haven't seen it by now, the spoiler uh, time, whatever, <laughs> has expired. Right. Yeah. But like he, it's hard because like I want people to see it if they haven't already seen it. But it's really part of the charm, you know. Like you, when you find out who he really is and what his motives are for this whole thing. It's just, it makes it extra delightful. Like, yeah. He seems like he's a bumbling, like burglar, just like he's just charming. He's like getting through all of this based on his charms. And it's just because he's like not a burglar. Like, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but it will say like, there are a couple, I know, I know we have like a, we, we've discussed how we're laying out this show and we're going to discuss the heist itself as a yes. kind of separate thing. But I will say in advance of that, that there were like some really satisfying classic heist moments in this one. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So before we get into that, should we have a quick word from one of our sponsors? I think we should. I think we should. Aren't computers just the worst? How often are you out on a heist, plan going off without a hitch when BAM! The files you need to blackmail the Viceroy's granddaughter are on a password-protected external hard drive with firewall after firewall and you know it's all encrypted, right? Well, worry no more! With Rent-A-Hacker, you can enhance nearly any and all of your heist teams. Just dial the number on the screen and one of our dedicated technicians will hook you up with the hacker of your dreams. So what are you waiting for? Call Rent-A-Hacker and leave the hacking to us. And we're back. Uh, yeah, we have some really great sponsors this season uh, <laughs> in the first episode uh, and now. So I hope you're uh, checking these out and making sure that you are buying some really amazing quality products and getting your money's worth. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so um, Heist. Heist. Actual heist. I know. Unlike, again, Snatch, which was not exactly the ideal first episode. We have fate forgeries. We have museum. We have infrared lasers in the 60s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have patrolmen we have disguises like we've got it's it's official it's the highest movie yeah and there's like so many different kinds of policemen in the area too because the president (laughs) lives across the street right of course you know then there's the actual police there's the museum guards like there are so many different components that they had to take into consideration with planning this not so well-planned heist no no they just again they realize they have a very short period of time to like carry out the heist mm-hmm. and it has to be done by Friday when this guy comes in to evaluate and test uh, the Cellini. Right. So they, you know, have to enact this plan very, fairly quickly. And I feel like in most heist movies, there's that reconnaissance phase and that exists here, but it's definitely... Quicker than you would Mm -hmm. probably Mm -hmm. want if you were actually going to do a heist. Yeah. And like Simon is like very adamant, like, "Mm, this is too much. Let's not do it. Like he like, can't we steal something else? (laughs) Can't we lead up to this? Like work our way up to million dollar statue. Uh, And obviously because of what the Cellini is to um, Nicole, it has to be this piece. Right. No. There's no point. She doesn't want to steal anything else. She's not a thief. Right. Although it's so funny because she's like, I'm, it's so funny because her father's the forger, her grandfather's the forger. I'm like, oh, so she's not about this life at all. 
but I feel like she had fun. Like, I feel like they could have, in, in the modern days, if they redid this, I feel like she would enjoy that thief life. You know, she could very easily turn into Catwoman. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, she just like enjoyed it. And like the outfits that she, well, except for the, the cleaning outfit, but well, all yes. the other outfits <laughs> were very fabulous. So like, where do you want to start on this heist? I mean, obviously we discussed the recon, which. Right. So they go and they like check out the statue. The owner of the museum is like, look at all of our crazy security. We have these special lasers. You put your hand through and the, the alarms go off and only two people know the code to turn the alarms off and all the police will come and blah, blah, blah. And so they're kind of like, setting that up for us so we know what they're going to have to overcome. But also, Audrey, at the same time, at this point in the movie, she doesn't want to heist the statue. So she's like, stop telling us about the security because this guy's a burglar and he's going to rob you. And then, of course, like she's, I assume, wishing that she probably had paid more attention or... um. The thing that I kept coming back to and was making me laugh is that Peter O'Toole or Simon was saying, like, you need to observe everybody's normal human behavior as if they are not human. And as if, like, everybody's normal behavior is something to sort of scoff at. He's like, oh, watch what they do. Watch how they react. Watch their normal human behavior. Yeah. And I mean, it's funny, but then it's also valid in a way. But oh, for sure. Like, because they can't obviously work this out in greater detail, you know, they only had a few days to begin with. Obviously they weren't going to throw in too many wrenches here where it's just like, Oh, it's different guards that we weren't observing or whatever. Uh, But yeah, like, it's just, he's very, again, he never once lets on that he's not who he says he is. Right. Like, he just goes along with this. Um, and the the thing that I couldn't get out of my head after I watched it was, like, they go for a walk in the park. Right. And uh, they they get these, like, weird boomerangs. Right. Right. And I'm like, what is he going to do with these boomerangs? I feel like so much of the movie was just like, okay, or so much of the heist is you don't really see the planning, but you can see that he is planning something because he like looks at the boomerang and you see him have like this aha and he takes it. You see him practice with the boomerang after he butts in front of a bunch of children to get his. Oh, right. Of course he cuts the line completely. (laughs) He's like, sorry, kids need it for a heist. Yeah. And um, it's funny that you don't really know what the plan is going to be until the plan is happening. And you don't see him explain it to her either. So I feel like you're with Audrey in this part of the movie. Like she's kind of like, what am I doing? I'm putting on a costume for, okay, I'll just, uh, whatever you say. And it's just kind of happening in the moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the boomerang thing is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, when you see it all kind of like happen um, and obviously like, it's like, again, I want people to see this movie if they haven't already, but I guess if you're listening to this, you are fully aware that you might get spoiled, but um, you know, the way he uses it to set off the alarms Mm -hmm. is just like, how much practice did he do to kind of get like the aim going and yeah, like he he practiced twice on a balcony and that was enough. I had a boomerang as a kid and let me tell you that thing did not work. <laughs> right. And, and the risk that you, okay. So let's just talk about the heist. The idea is, is that he distracts the guards as the museum is closing and the two of them hide in a closet under a staircase until the entire museum has basically been put to bed until the middle of the night. Yeah. When the cleaners come in and then. Yes. And in the middle of the night, he sneaks out and decides to set off the alarm by throwing a boomerang through the beams. And then the boomerang comes back to him and he goes back into the closet under the stairs. And the alarms are going off and everything's going bananas. Everything seems like it's fine. I wonder like, 
would it really be faster for him to throw this boomerang versus just like walking up to it, putting your hand through the beam and then making it back to the closet? Because the risk of knocking the statue right or (laughs) anything else in the museum. Right. Like it's bananas. But obviously it works for him. It, yeah. No problem. Goes off. I think he misses once, but no harm, no foul. Still makes it back to him. So the thing that I actually loved maybe the most out of this heist caper is, so again, they are locked under, they're, they're under this staircase where they're hiding out and they accidentally get locked in. Right. right. And again, it's a bit of a stretch for some of this stuff, but like, he's happened to take measurements of this, you know, key rack that's up against the wall of the staircase. Um, And he's happened to do all of these things. He's happened to bring all of these magnets with him. This is the thing. Like if he were an actual burglar, then maybe he would have thought to do all of this stuff ahead of time. The fact that he's not Right. And he thought to take all these measurements and right. They did towards like the very end of the film briefly mention that he kind of acts as like um, a consultant for security. Right. I could see him maybe justifiably knowing some thieves tools and tricks to kind of test people's, you know, security systems. But this like seems like, a bit extra like it's very you know so the whole thing is like he brings this magnet and manages to get the key off the hook and brings it around the wall like fully around a corner even a corner a corner (laughs) and then the key falls and they're able to use the magnet to bring it under the door that they are locked in but oh no it doesn't actually unlock from the inside. You can only unlock it from the outside. Good thing he brought this handy dandy rope with a magnet on the end. So he can like, then, you know, fish the rope with the magnet through and then attach the key and pull it through. It's I feel like this was like the sixties version of some like amazing technical Marvel that we would see in it current day heist movie or like mission impossible where us it's like the mask looks exactly like his face you oh know God, it's yes. just like look at this way that he can do he can open a door with these tricks in 1966 i was magnets and ropes incredibly <laughs> charmed by it like i was it's it's one of those things where like i'm explaining it and i'm like this is ridiculous as the words <laughs> are coming out of my mouth but as i was watching it i was so charmed like i was I loved it. Like, I was like, oh, that's so clever. You know, like, it's that thing afterwards where you're like, well, why would he have brought that? Especially once the reveal happens of who Simon really is. And you're like, well, why would he have that? Like, why? Some of the movie kind of contradicts itself. But it was still a really fun moment. And, like, I just loved that he had all these, you know, things in mind. And it was, like, a really fun component for me. You know, like, who would have brought the majority of the tools boomerang aside right. for the odd chance that they would get locked in a closet. Right. And to know like, Oh, well, what if it only locks from the outside? what if we like, he's definitely like having his gadget guy moment. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think it honestly needs because if he, that moment wasn't in there, it would just be a lot of like, and we sat in the closet and we waited. And then we made out. <laughs> well, Yeah. <laughs> And then we yeah. just like fell in love and decided that this is it. Two yeah. thieves in love forever. Like um, closet Stockholm so syndrome. The second half of his plan. Oh my God. The second half of his plan is that he's going to set the alarm off over and over without having removed anything or moved the statue. So the guards think that the alarm system is on the fritz. And the alarms are so loud. They're waking up the neighbors. They're waking up the prime minister. Like the prime minister is calling the guards being like, you need to stop this. I'm trying to sleep. The head Could you guard- imagine if like the president was like, I would like you to stop having such a secure facility. Like, <laughs> please. It's annoying. It feels very French. Yeah. Um, so 
eventually the guard is like, screw this. It's obviously this horrible, stupid system that they've installed. I'm not going to turn the alarm back on. So of course, when they turn the alarm off, that's when they actually steal the statue. They decide they're going to dress Audrey up in her little um, cleaning lady outfit and put the statue in her bucket. And she's going to sneak out in the pandemonium dressed as a, a floor scrubber. I forget what he keeps calling her. Yeah, I don't remember either. Like, I know it's like the cleaning lady. Like, it's yeah. like, but they do call them something specific. But And she, like, hides out in a big, unused fireplace waiting to, like, pop out with her bucket. Oh, my God. And, like, I don't understand how the woman that cleans there, like, doesn't notice her at all. But, again, there's, like, a lot of, like, you know... We watch comic book movies. We we write comics. Like there's a suspense of disbelief needed for Yeah, sometimes you just gotta go with it. Of yeah. course. Like I don't know why her bucket has zero water in it and why they wouldn't immediately check all the buckets, but hey, we're going with it. <laughs> exactly. You know, and again, we brought this up in um <clears throat> the first episode too, but both of us have watched Lupin recently. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm so excited about new episodes. Actually, this will come out around when the new episodes drop Amazing. on Netflix. But, you know, there's obviously also that cleaner component in an episode there too. And arguably it's hard going from Lupin and then like backtracking to other things when like you have a heist. I mean, it's not a movie, it's a TV show that does the heist so satisfyingly well. And then you see a lot of the elements from mm-hmm. that lots of heist things use and it's just yeah. like oh this isn't done exceptionally well per se but right I mean I feel like dressing up as staff or cleaner or that sort of thing is definitely a trope that shows up in a lot of heist media yeah the inside man which of course like, exactly there's literally the inside man which i'm sure we'll get to at some point in time but mm-hmm. it's i mean it makes sense and like it's a trope that i think obviously works for a reason um but yeah like audrey hepburn is just like so not believable like she has this bougie hat on like you know everyone has like those little like scarves and like some people have hats on too but like She's arguably. I mean, if you just like looked at her with her like full smoky eye look and like. I know. I know. And everyone else is and just she's looking, like, scrubbing. Disgruntled. I feel like everyone's scrubbing the floor and she's over here like scrubbing the frames and scrubbing oh the wall. I'm like, at least try to sell it. And what she's are you scrubbing doing? at one point in time. She she's scrubbing the rope, like the barrier. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes, like the velvet rope. Yeah. And she's like looking around as they discover that the. Um, the Venus is gone and she's like scrubbing that. Like all it would take is the security guards to look around and be like, what is she doing? Miss, why are you scrubbing a velvet rope? Yeah. I guess that's like all just played for laughs. We're supposed to be laughing at her being like a goof about it. Yeah. It's definitely like a rom-com heist. Like it's, it's not, I don't think meant to be particularly serious. There's a delightful element to it. There's the rom-com element to it. And it's definitely, you know, um, just one of those things where everything is kind of going wrong and you don't really know that entirely except for in bits and pieces. But then of course, at the end, when again, the reveal happens and you find out who Simon really is, you're just like, oh, so this was like a hot mess. This was like, <laughs> this was like a weird meet cute first yeah. date. <laughs> how are you, how are you going to explain this to your children? How did you guys meet? Oh, well, I shot him in the arm when he was trying to burgle your grandfather's false paintings. Like, oh, my God. It's so cute, though. Um, like, Were you not just slightly disappointed that nobody got a million dollars at the end? Yeah. So, like, that was actually, like, a thing. Because, like, I was like, oh, they're going to sell her former fiance, this statue. They're going to get a million dollars. And she's going to have this amazing blinged out ring that she gets to keep that he forced on her yeah she earned that ring he was weird but like weird i did i so there's another guy who again she briefly gets engaged to because he's just like wow you talk business to me and i find that attractive normally women are very dumb in my eyes 
I assumed that the only reason he like threw the wedding ring at her, I mean, she is gorgeous and obviously a very easy to fall in love with Audrey Hepburn, Mm -hmm. but he Mm -hmm. fell in love with the statue and wants it so badly for himself that he's like, okay, fine. If your family isn't going to part with it, I'll just make you my family. And then the statue will be mine that way. Like he's obsessed with this freaking statue. I think that's his number one goal. He has no idea it's a fake. I felt like he was also very into her too. Like, but she was like a bonus. Yeah. She just happened to be a very attractive bonus for him. Right. But like, I didn't understand, like, again, the reveal of who Simon is at the end is satisfying. But then the part that wasn't satisfying was that, like, he, it's almost there where it's just like, oh, it's going to this person. He's never going to reveal, you know, their secret. They're going to get all this money. But, like, they don't get any money from him. Nope. And he gives the ring back to this guy discreetly by tying it around the neck of the statue. And so they don't get the money from the ring either. They don't get the money from the insurance. They don't get the money from selling the statue to Mr. American Computer Engagement Guy. They don't get the money from her engagement ring. It's just like, I guess we're supposed to be happy that they found each other and they're in love. And that's what the real worth is or money is. And her dad doesn't go to prison. come on. And her dad, you know, you think for like a hot second that like he's going to go straight. And you're like, oh, he's like learned his lesson. But of course, as they're leaving on their happy ending here, uh, this other guy who we meet, we met earlier on in the film who wanted to buy forgeries from yes. unknowing forgeries. Right. Turns he's back up. for more paintings. And uh, Nicole's like, oh, that's uh, my dad's cousin. Yeah. Yeah. She Don't worry about him. It. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. Like. There's definitely, like, those satisfying moments, for sure. But, like, on the heist front, like, it, yeah, there's no payoff for anybody except for the love that they get. I mean, Simon's going to be regretting that decision because this lady is used to a lifestyle, I think. She really is. Like, she lives his little science job is probably not going to uh, upkeep. I mean, he does have a good apartment in the Ritz. And, like, he has that real True. fancy car, which he originally tells her he stole. Again, he's, like, just <laughs> well, of course not helping anything. Um, but, yeah, like, there's just, again, comedy of errors. Like, mm-hmm. and then it's a very fun movie, but it's hard not to, it's hard to talk about a film kind of critically and then, like, not feel sort of let down by certain components of it. Right, know? right. It's definitely worth watching, though. It holds up. Like, oh, I know a lot of sure. people don't love old films. Like, my partner's, like, not, like, I don't want to watch anything before the year that Jaws was released. Like, okay. <laughs> that's his standard. Like, it's like, there's no good movies before Jaws was made. Jaws was the first good movie. What? Which, yeah. We'll, we'll just, that's, he's a fool. But it's fine. Um, so, like, I know some people don't enjoy the old movies and like they definitely have very silly like tropes in them. But like this was right. definitely delightful. The costumes were amazing and both Peter O'Toole and Audrey Hepburn were so charming. Sparkling. Yes. Yeah. They had I so mean, much I, chemistry together and like I would absolutely watch this movie if you're definitely like stuck in on a rainy day or you're recovering from your vaccine. Yeah, exactly. You watch this one. It's wonderful. Um, I do have some fun facts, although (laughs) most of them are not super fun because apparently the 60s was like a wild time to be a professional man in the film industry. Oh, no. And like I did kind of feel bad for Audrey Hepburn from time to time who had to deal with all of these apparently very drunk men. Oh, no, Audrey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, but first, the director apparently originally his name is William Wyler. And he wanted the movie to be like a more moody and dark follow-up to Roman Holiday. What? And yeah, he was going to have Gregory Peck be in it instead of Peter O'Toole. And he like asked Stephen Kubrick if he wanted to participate. 
What? Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm glad that that didn't happen with this movie, but I also really want to see this, the Stanley Kubrick follow-up. Oh, yes. Yes. I just, did I say Steven? Yeah, you did. And I totally oh. just like went with it because I was like, that sounds right. And now... <laughs> We, we were talking movies. about Stephen earlier. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my friend Stephen. And so now Stephen's on our mind. I'm sorry, guys. I'm on a film podcast and I called Stanley Kubrick, Stephen Kubrick. So kind. I'll forget anyway, I still want to see whatever dark movie he would do with Audrey Hepburn. Like, see, that's gotta be I wild. feel like, I feel like, yes, I would want that. But then. I feel like it's like harder to forgive some of the less satisfying things in a movie that takes itself more seriously. Very true. Very so true. So like, I mean, obviously the script would have been different. It would have been played up differently, but with everybody just having so much fun and it being so lighthearted overall, you know, there's a lot you can just kind of like enjoy because of the vibe of the film and you're just like oh whatever they're just like happy and right. in love it's just and, like a goof. it's a goof it's a fun goofy movie exactly yeah. and then it just kind of like loses some of that charm if you take it too seriously like if it had taken itself too seriously i can see me not having enjoying it as much of like, course um okay so there were huge rumors that audrey and Peter tool were having like a major affair but all squashed, not true at all. They were just like, became very good friends. And apparently there's this scene where she's wearing just like a little flimsy nightgown, like a coat over it and they're outside and she was freezing. And he kept like between takes, having her come to his uh, trailer to stay warm. And he gave her like brandies so that she wouldn't be so cold. But she apparently is, doesn't hold her, alcohol like (laughs) peter o'toole does and she gets into the next scene where she has to drive a car and she got in the car and like knocked over all the lights oh my god i love that i (laughs) that's actually like so cute too and you were saying that they had that rumored romance and i was like oh like harrison ford and carrie fisher but like the opposite because we found out later that that was good to have that yes (laughs) um like I kind of like enjoy that, like that secret romance, like vibe kind of thing. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure most of these movies where the leading man and lady like work very closely, people speculate no different in the Mm sixties. The actor who played Nicole's dad, his name is Hugh Griffith. Mm -hmm. And he was eventually fired from set because he would sometimes walk around the hotel naked with the do not disturb sign in front of his privates that he no. changed oh. to the words do disturb. No. <laughs> oh my God. And he, he's in the movie like throughout, like what point did he get fired? Like, I don't know when you would get fired. Like I have no idea. That's what I kept wondering. I'm like, because He's there beginning, middle, end in this movie. So I don't know when he got fired, but oh, bad behavior. <laughs> yeah, they were like something similar, like just happened too with like John Barrowman from like um, Doctor Who and all that stuff. Like he apparently would just like whip it out and people were just like, what the like, heck is with this? I know. And like people would come into his dressing room and he'd be like, hello. And it was like not sexually, apparently like predatory. Like it was more of a joke and everyone felt it was like a jokey thing, but they were also like, it's also deeply inappropriate. Right. What? I can't fathom that being a thing I would ever want to do to like my coworkers and be like, what if I just walk around naked? naked? Yeah. Okay. Um, so Walter Matthau was originally supposed to play the American computer guy who wants to be engaged to her and is obsessed with the statue, which is crazy because he plays a huge part in charade. So I guess the director was like, okay, bring him back. But he wanted $200,000 and the director's like, no. Um, so the director hired, uh, George C. Scott, who was in Dr. Strangelove, but he showed up 
so late to his first day of shooting that he was fired and replaced again. And the director was saying like, I am frustrated enough trying to deal with all the drinkers that already are on set that I don't (laughs) need anymore. (laughs) That's valid. I mean, like, I kind of felt bad for this director after reading all these stories. Like imagine trying to wrangle all these extremely famous drunk people all the time. Yeah. It sounds like he was hurting cats, like just constantly drunk cats. Right. (laughs) Okay. And my last little, um, Oh, I have two little things. So Nicole and Simon are hiding in the closet and the guards like are going around and doing their rounds. And every time the guard that is like in their quadrant comes by, he uh, he's very goofy and he like pulls out a bottle and like is drinking and is not really paying too much attention. But apparently he also has this key that he sticks into a lock on his belt and will like turn and then keep walking which I noticed, but then completely forgot about. And apparently it's called a watch clock and keys are placed at guard stations. So when you walk past that key and put it in your watch clock, it records the time and place that you like checked in. That's really neat. I've never heard of anything like that. That's very sophisticated. Like that's actually like really cool. And like, obviously we have versions of that now, which technological advancements but like that's really cool I didn't know that either like I I definitely remember it now that you say it but it it didn't click as something to put in my notes and be like what was with that me either I I had no idea and it was and it's not something they addressed in the movie either but it was just like I guess a little thing like if you know you know and I guess this movie is based on a short story and in the short story the statue is life-sized Oh my God. Yeah. So her mop bucket would have just had to be huge. It would have just been a hat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I can't imagine them having to do this with a bigger statue. Cause like, there's like so many good moments throughout, like, you know, back at the house in the little nook in the library, whatever used to sit. Oh my God. That library was incredible by the way. Amazing. But like the moment where, the dad is hamming it up and has like the black bow tie of like mourning over like oh yes because <laughs> it's know. stolen and he puts yeah. like the yeah he's like the reporters come in and he's just like you know fake crying and being like oh I don't even know like this is awful and oh so so good like yeah and oh so they also said that in the credits they say like Audrey Hepburn's uh, costumes or like provided by Givenchy. And so I guess that all of her outfits are Givenchy. And in the movie, when he puts the maid clothes over her outfit, she's like, what am I supposed to do? And he's like, give Givenchy a rest for a night. Oh, so he my like God. Addresses I didn't even notice that. Yeah. I love that though. She's again, like there's so many standout moments overall, but like the outfits were just such a high point like they're so I good know. I can't get over that mask like I love that mask veil thing right like okay so if we spoil the movie for you and we totally ruined it and you never want to see it at least google her outfits from the movie right <laughs> there's also you can see what we're talking about because they're incredible oh my god there's another kind of like veil outfit in another movie called a French movie called the brotherhood of the wolf it's a French werewolf movie And Monica Bellucci has like the most amazing costumes in it. And she has like a kind of veil like that too. I'm just thinking of all the cool veil related costumes now, (laughs) but also an excellent movie. But yeah, go look up all the costumes. They're fabulous. Like, oh, I feel like there's like this, um, the, oh my God, what am I trying to say? Matt Fraction's Hawkeye book, uh, and like uh-huh. all of his wives have this moment in the book where they're all dressed up in like kind of mod outfits. And I feel very strongly like she just has that energy like that. I'm thinking of all the things that it probably inspired, you know? Yes. It's very mod, but like elegant mod. Yeah. <laughs> Aristocat mod. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we watching next time, Whitney? Oh my gosh, we're watching <gasps> Chicken Run. I'm so, so excited. Me we too. have like 
a few animated movies on here. And I think we mentioned our love for like Muppets and stuff, but like Chicken Run, I haven't seen in years. Oh, me either. I barely remember it. Yeah. Like Mel Gibson's in it, right? Like I think. Yes. That's all I really remember. Uh, But I love claymation. I love just, I remember the silly jokes and like it's Ardman too, or is it? I think so. Sony Ardman whatever. I mean, it definitely has that Ardman vibe about it. And I I love, 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 love Ardman so much. I just love that like pun sense of humor and the just Mm -hmm. ridiculousness to it and mixed with a heist. How could you go wrong? How could you go wrong? It came out in like, I don't know what, the 90s? Oh, it's definitely Ardman. Oh, good. Okay, okay. We can talk um, about when it came out. We'll talk yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm getting <laughs> We're getting excited. excited. <sighs> but um, yeah, so, you know, this is our second episode. We are releasing them twice a month. So on the first and third Tuesday of the month. So this is going to be our second June episode. Uh, so yeah. the first chicken run episode, well, our only chicken run episode, <laughs> the next episode, the only chicken run one, uh, will be the first week of July. So you have a little bit of time to uh, watch and prepare, and then this will go up and you can follow along. And yeah. Super fun. Uh, I hope you all have enjoyed this conversation, you know, again, we really loved this movie. I really loved this movie. I'm putting words into your mouth, but. Oh no, I walked away and I was like, I loved it. I loved it. (laughs) It's again, so hard not to just text you with like all my thoughts and feelings on this thing. And again, it's just like, defeats the purpose. Right. Um, But this has been such a fun journey so far. And obviously we will get better at our hosting duties. We're figuring out our, you know, format yes. and layout. Layout? No, format. <laughs> I had it right the first Thank time. Thank you for being patient with us while we figure yes. it all out and while we call directors by the wrong names. And if there's anything you want us to chat about or things you think we missed or thoughts that you have, you can email us at, what's our email address? Podcast at capercast.com. There you so go. if you have questions that you want us to answer about us, about heists or whatever, if you just have silly tidbits you want to share, if you listen to this and you have fun facts you want to share about Chicken Run, you know, in advance of that episode, send them in. We want to hear it. We love trivia and puns. And puns. You can talk to us on Twitter or Instagram. I'm at Hello Cookie. I also just realized we both have greeting names like yeah, hello. Cookie. The Caper Cast Your is hosted hello cookie, by and I'm a Haley Whitney. Let us know what you thought of this movie. Cook. Our theme and music is by the very talented. And yeah, that's Emily it for us. Milling. We'll see you then. Bye.